You're listening to Pantry Raid, the podcast where we learn how to make more food and less waste one ingredient at a time. I'm your host, Hannah Messenger. I'm a professional food stylist and recipe developer. I've spent the last four years not following recipes, which is a great way to genuinely learn how to cook. During this podcast, I'll share with you what I've learned and I'm still learning about how to cook with what I have on hand. This week, we're talking about one of the most ubiquitous foods there is or ever has been probably since the dawn of civilization, chickpeas. We'll talk about dried chickpeas, canned chickpeas, and chickpea flour. And there's no don't buy this because anytime I've seen those three things in a store anywhere at any time, they're good. You can't go wrong with chickpeas. So this week, we'll start with an important question that's been plaguing me since I began to write this episode, which is, why are we not all making falafel all the time? Why? It makes no sense. Like, do you have one cup of dried chickpeas, some aromatics, and a food processor? Great. You can make crispy, crunchy, salty, restaurant-style falafel at home. Let's backtrack for a sec, because I know you just heard me say dried chickpeas, and you were like, wait, what? So let's talk about when, how, and why to use dried chickpeas, and dried chickpeas only. I think it's really important to use dried chickpeas when you're making falafel or if you're using chickpeas as the base to your veggie burgers. It's because of the texture. They uh, they don't have that weird crumbly fall apart mushiness that a canned chickpea will give either of those dishes. And if you use this one ingredient that you already have at home, they will also get much crispier and crunchier when you cook them. I'm sorry that sounded like such a click hole headline, but it's true. When you add a little bit of baking soda to the liquid you soak dried chickpeas in, it will expedite their cooking and browning process. All you do is soak a cup of dried chickpeas in filtered water covered by about an inch and a half, and you add a pinch, like half a teaspoon of baking soda, and let them soak eight to 24 hours. I also add an additional pinch of baking soda when I'm making the falafel dough, and you'll be truly amazed at how lightning fast falafel cooks and gets GBD, which is what restaurant people call delicious fried food. It stands for golden brown delicious. And in this situation, really the only thing that differentiates falafel from veggie burger besides the shape is how you flavor it. So falafel is going to be onion, garlic, maybe some spices, more herbs than you think is right, and a little bit of flour, which side note, you can use chickpea flour, veggie burger, seeds, nuts, leftover cooked grains, leftover roasted vegetables, mushrooms are especially good, miso is really good. Do I say this in every episode? If you don't believe me that miso is good in everything, go back and listen to episode two. Maybe you stuff your veggie burger with cheese. Shake Shack style. Finally, it's worth noting that you can sprout dried chickpeas, and once they have sprouted, they're really easy to digest. You can eat them as is on top of salads, or you can cook them and use them anywhere you would use a canned product. That's where we'll go next is cooked chickpeas. Canned or home-cooked, either will work.
We're going to hear from my friend Brian Lee Weaver about how to make hummus. If you have ever messaged me and asked where to eat in Nashville, I've almost definitely told you to go to Brian's restaurant, Butcher and B. Brian's two business partners are Israeli, and he's traveled to Israel with them. And as a result, he makes some of the best hummus I've ever had in my life. Brian also has a new restaurant opening here in a couple months. It's called Redheaded Stranger. And while there will not be hummus, there will be burritos. Uh, so uh, when we make our hummus, uh, the chickpeas is really where we start. We soak them overnight in water with a little baking soda, which starts to break them down a little bit. And then we, we cook them for a really long time in just water and a little bit of salt. It really takes like about six hours to cook them. And you, you could probably expedite this process at home with a press, pressure cooker or maybe even a slow cooker. I've never tried it that way, but I imagine it would work just fine. After that, we uh, grind the chickpeas, which starts to break them down even more. And we use a meat grinder for that. You're going to end up probably processing them in a Roboku at home, which is fine too. Um, just the meat grinder adds like an extra level of sort of smoothness to it in the end. After that, um, you're sort of combining it with tahini. And it's not just tahini. It's, it's basically like tahino, which there's a distinction in Israeli food. Uh, between the two. Tahini is the actual sesame paste and tahina is like a sauce that you make from it. So the sauce is essentially tahini mixed with lemon juice and a little garlic and probably a little salt and sometimes a little water to thin it out. And in the end, you're combining the chickpeas in a food processor with um, the tahina and then uh, a little bit of water and you're good to go. If you're making hummus at home and you want to get it so silky smooth in your blender or food processor, I do recommend shelling the chickpeas, which sounds a lot harder than it is. All you do is put them in a big bowl or pot with a bunch of water, pick them up and rub them between your hands in like a hand washing motion. Do that 12 or 14 times until you've gotten most of the skins off. Add more water. In the skin, the shells will float to the top and then you just pour them off. You may want to do that too if you're making roasted, crunchy, crispy chickpeas of any kind because the skin will hold liquid underneath it and it'll either sputter if you're frying it or just take forever prevent your chickpea from getting crispy. Personally, I think the fastest and tastiest way to a crunchy chickpea is in a pan with oil. It really doesn't take that much oil, like a third of a cup in a standard cast iron pan will do the trick. Just remove them with a slotted spoon and then toss them with whatever flavorings you like while they're still warm. Obviously, you can put that on top of salads or grain bowls. I really like doing savory yogurt bowls for breakfast in the morning, like crispy, spicy chickpeas and cucumbers and tomatoes are an excellent breakfast on top of plain Greek yogurt. I don't think we can do an episode about chickpeas without addressing the stew. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The Allison Roman recipe in the New York Times. It's like chickpeas and turmeric and coconut milk. I haven't made it, but I've read the recipe, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that anytime you're making a chickpea soup or stew, you're essentially, you are making some version 
of chana masala, where you fry aromatics and maybe spices, and then you add liquid and chickpeas, and I guess to make it a stew, a thickener, is that what makes it a stew? I'm sure that's up for debate somewhere. Not here. But what's different about Allison Roman's recipe is that she also fries the chickpeas with the aromatics until they break down and start to get a little crispy on the edges. And she says that gives the stew its body along with the coconut milk. But I'll tell you, if you're using dried chickpeas that have been soaked, you can add their soaking liquid, which essentially has aquafaba in it, and that will thicken things too. On that same note, you can add dried chickpeas and their soaking liquid to a braise, like braised chicken with vegetables, or canned chickpeas drained with stock to a braise. And they're so, 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 so good when they're leftovers. You can mash them or pulse them a little bit in a food processor to make a chickpea salad to put on toast or make a sandwich. It is the creme de la creme of chickpea salads. I saved the most exciting for last, per usual, chickpea flour. There are so many things you can do with it. It could really be its own episode. If you'll remember back in episode one, when I said there's no wrong way to fritter, you just need a vegetable, an egg, a binder, and flavorings. Well, chickpea flour is a top-notch binder. There are dishes like panisse and panel, which is when you cook chickpea flour like it's oatmeal until it's really thick, almost like a dough. You cut it into shapes and you fry it. It's like chickpea fries. I'm a big fan of sokka and farinata, savory chickpea pancakes, which are greatly improved by smoke and flames. If you're going camping, bring a cast iron skillet and some chickpea flour Cook your chickpea pancake in some bacon grease over a campfire and thank me later. We're going to end today's episode talking about dessert with a little help from my new friend, Louisa Shafia. Louisa is a chef who puts on Persian dinners here in Nashville and all over the country. She has a couple coming up here and in Washington, D.C., and you can find out about them on her website, louisashafia.com. She's also the author of The New Persian Kitchen, which is full of recipes that are simple, straightforward, and yet new and exciting and adaptable. She gives all kinds of suggestions for making dishes gluten-free or vegetarian, and it's really everything you want in a cookbook. In the dessert chapter, she has a great recipe for chickpea flour cookies, which are flavored with spices and rose water. And patrons of the podcast, that recipe is available to you on the secret page of my website. If you're not a patron of the podcast, but you would like to access the secret page and all the secret recipes, you can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash hmmessenger. And now Louisa is going to tell us more about chickpea flour and Persian baking. I love baking with chickpea flour. It's a traditional Persian ingredient and one of the most common places where you see it in Persian cuisine is in a little melt-in-your-mouth cookie called nan-e-nokochi. And it's mainly chickpea flour, fat, and sugar. 
Now, I like to make a version that has a texture a little bit more like a sable or a pecan sandy. I do one-to-one ratio of almond flour and chickpea flour, so it has a little bit more of a bite to it, and I season it with cinnamon and cardamom, and I make the dough and I roll it into a log, chill it, and then slice and bake. So it's a really simple cookie to make. And I decorate the top with pistachios, which is what you do with any good Persian dessert to show that you care about your guests that you're serving it to. And it's a really beautiful, crunchy cookie. And the more that it sits in, say, your cookie jar over a couple of days, the more flavor it has. So on day two, it is incredibly delicious. Finally, when I visited Iran, I had a delicious dessert called ranganak, or in English we would call it date fudge. And I had it in the city of Shiraz, which is to the south toward the Persian Gulf. And there are a lot of just fragrant ingredients used there. A lot of cardamom, a lot of rose water, and orange blossom water. And so whenever I make this dish, I I think of that beautiful city. And the way that you make ranganak is you take a nice, juicy, ripe medjool date, you take out the pit, and you replace it with a walnut. And so you can say, you know, take 10 or 20 dates, stuff them with a walnut, and then fill a plate with those in a single layer. And then you make a sauce you make a toasted roux. Now, traditionally, you use wheat flour to make this sauce for the date fudge, but I like to use chickpea flour. So you toast your chickpea flour over low heat until it takes on just a little bit of color and it starts to smell nutty. And then you can add your butter and sugar and cardamom. And then you will pour this sauce, this roux, over the dates. And then you will sprinkle it with pistachios, bright green pistachios, and a little bit of confectioner sugar. And it looks very beautiful. And you let it harden, and then you can slice it and serve it almost like a pie. Or you can just let people take an individual date off of the plate. So there you go. There are some dessert ideas for you using chickpea flour. And as we say in Farsi, Nushe Jan, or Bon Appetit. Thanks for listening to Pantry Raid. Remember, you can get links to and extra details about the recipes we talked about today by signing up for my newsletter at the bottom of hmmessenger.com. That's H-M-M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. You can also get personalized help directly from me for free every Monday on my Instagram stories, and you can find me at HM Messenger. This episode was written by me, Hannah Messenger, and produced by Tony Gonzalez, who had a birthday this week. Happy 33rd, Tony. Pantry Raid wouldn't happen without you.